O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. For thine arrows stick fast in me, and my hand presseth me sore. There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger, neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. For mine iniquities are gone over mine head, as in heavy burden they are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. I am troubled, I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. For my loins are filled with a a loathsome disease, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and sore broken. I have roared by reason of the disquietness of my heart. Lord, all my desire is before thee, and my groaning is not hid from thee. My heart panteth, my strength faileth me. As for the light of mine eyes, it also is gone from me. My lovers and my friends stand aloof from my sore, and my kinsmen stand afar off. Amen. We know that God will bless the reading of his word to our hearts. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we come into thy holy presence. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the love of God in Christ, and we praise you that we can draw nigh into thy presence, that we can seek your throne of grace, and we can call upon your name. Lord, as we draw nigh to you, we pray for your help and your assistance as we come to consider your word. We pray that we would hear your voice speaking to us, and may we derive encouragement from thy truth. In the Saviour's name we ask all of this. Amen and amen. This psalm begins with the word remembrance, a psalm of David to bring to remembrance. And it is quite evident as we read the psalm, and we could not have missed it as we looked at the opening verses, that David is is broken. He has this sense of weakness, the sense of failure even. He's lonely and he's remembering this time. He's remembering this time of acute difficulty and pain in his life. And as he reflects upon this time, he wants to remember. Why does he want to remember? Because God was there with him in the midst. He wanted to remember all that he passed through. Because he knew that there was a grace which sustained him. And this psalm really is the record of his prayer during this season of adversity. So let's just work our way through this prayer uh, tonight before we ourselves get before the Lord for prayer. Uh, First of all, we have his acceptance. What is his acceptance? He accepted that God had a purpose in bringing him through this trouble. He accepted that this trouble was part of the plan of God. Now, we don't know what the circumstances were. We don't know the historical uh, events in his life that brought this about. But we do know that he felt that the Lord's hand was in it. He, he says in, in verse 8, Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath. The verse 1, rather, of chapter 38. O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. 
for thine arrows stick fast in me, and thy hand presseth me sore. So whatever he was going through, the Lord's hand was pressing upon him. The Lord's arrows were sticking into him. Your arrows stick fast in me. And he felt as if God was chastening him. He had a sense of his own sin. He said in verse 4, For mine iniquities are gone over mine head, as in heavy burden they are too heavy for me. Now, whenever we are sick, whenever we're going through difficult times, it's not always because God is chastening us. God may have some other purpose. And so we have to be aware of that. But nevertheless, God does chasten his people. And we often need that chastening because we're not perfect and we have our sins. And in Hebrews 12, verse 11, Paul wrote the New Testament theology on this subject. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. David obviously believed that in this case, in this instance, God was chastening him. But even setting that to the one side, I think there's a bigger lesson we learn from all of this. Uh, Whatever difficult times we go through, we're aware of the fact that it is always less than our sins deserve. It's always less than our sins deserve. Because we do feel the Lord. And we, we do let the Lord down. And we're not what we ought to be. And David was just aware of his own iniquities, his own, inf- his own sinfulness. My iniquities are gone over my head. And he, he wasn't like coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, I, I don't deserve this. And he wasn't making his appeal to the Lord and saying, Lord, you've got this wrong. But there was that sense of humility as he came before the Lord. And that's really what he accepted. He accepted that, that God was in control. And I think that's the greatest truth of all. That God is always in control. Whatever our difficulties, whatever our pains, whatever our, 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 our weakness, God's in control. God's in charge. He's working his plan out uh, in, uh, to some degree. So, so, so that's, the, that's the first thing. We have his acceptance. But secondly, let's think about his, his burden. Because we, we come here to the, the verse 9. And we read, Lord, all my desire is before thee, and my groaning is not hid from thee. He, he does something here, he complains. Now, sometimes we use the word com- com- complaint. Like, you know, you're just, you're just whinging. You know, you're, 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 you're just you know, going on about this matter all the time. We use complaint in that way. But David's complaint is not like that. He's... He's just bringing his burden to the Lord. He's bringing his needs to the Lord. And he's saying to, to the Lord, my groaning is not hid from thee. You, you, hear, you, hear, you hear my groaning. You are there in the midst of my suffering and you know about it. And so he's coming to the Lord and he's appealing to the Lord and he's bringing his burden to the Lord. He's conscious that burdens are lifted at Calvary. He's conscious that God is the one who carries all our burdens and so he's coming before the Lord and he's, he's knowing that God is interested there's something here that strikes us as being particularly 
relevant in David's life. He had pains in his body, I'm sure of that, but he had a greater pain in his mind. And he was suffering depression of mind and of spirit and of soul. You certainly, you certainly get a sense of that, the, the way in which he, he felt so deflated, so broken, he uses the word in verse 8. I am feeble and sore broken. I have roared by reason of the disquietness that is in my heart and, and, in, and in my mind. The, the, the word feeble here, it literally means to be stiff and laid out like a corpse. So he just felt he was absolutely worthless. You know, he was as down low as he possibly could be. He was, he was sore broken. Yet at the same time, he was roaring. He used the word roaring for his cries and for his tears. And then you come to verse 13. He says, I'm just like a deaf man. I'm hearing not. I'm like a dumb man that opened not his mouth. So one sense, he was laid out like a corpse just lying there, deaf and dumb. On the other hand, he was groaning. He felt lonely. He felt as if nobody cared for him. You, you look at the verse 11, my lovers and my friends stand aloof from my sore and my kinsmen stand afar off. My lovers, my friends, they, they're not interested. Those that are members of my family, they, they stand afar off. And my enemies, verse 12, they're seeking after my life. They're laying snares for me. They're making, and they're taking advantage of this, this problem that I'm in. So wherever David turned, he was in this cul-de-sac. He was in this corner. Uh, nobody cared, but he knew that God cared. And that's why he was making the complaint. God knows exactly how we feel, and yet he likes us to tell him how we feel because there is something really healing for us in being able to talk to him about it. And that's exactly what David is doing and we can learn a lesson from that and so we have his acceptance he accepted the problem he accepted that this was God's purpose you have the burden he brought the burden to the Lord but let's move on and think about his hope verses 15 through to 17 there is a there is a change here for in thee O Lord do I hope thou wilt hear O Lord my God for I said, hear me, lest otherwise they should rejoice over me. When my foot slippeth, they magnify themselves against me, for I am ready to halt, and my sorrow is continually before me. So there were those that rejoiced in his misfortune and his problems. His foot was slipping, but he could hope in the Lord. He couldn't look to his friends to help him. They stood afar off. He couldn't look to his nearest and dearest to help him. His lovers, they didn't know him. He couldn't look to his family. He couldn't look to society around him. But he could look to the Lord. And what does that tell us about the relationship that he had with the Lord? It was the closest relationship that he had in life. That relationship with God. No one else could help him. No one else cared. But the Lord cared. 
And he said, in thee, O Lord, do I hope. Thou wilt hear. You're hearing. You're listening. You're there for me. You're with me. And that was what gave him tremendous optimism. And let's also think about the confession now in the verse 18. For I will declare mine iniquity. I will be sorry for my sin. And so uh, as he hoped in the Lord, he was reflecting back to his iniquities that had gone over his head in the verse 4. And he confessed his sin to the Lord. True prayer is always impossible without confession. If we're not confessing, we're not praying. And sometimes the confessions are general, but sometimes when we're conscious of our own specific sins, we need to confess that specific sin before the Lord and open that up before the Lord and ask the Lord for forgiveness. And we cannot know that meaningful relationship with God unless we are sorry for our sins. It's a, it's a mighty phrase, isn't it, in the verse 18? I will be sorry for my sin. And so here was a man who wasn't coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, why me? Why are you doing this to me? Why are you putting me through all this? There was no sense of that self-righteousness. He was coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for how I have offended you and wronged you. And then let us also think about his resolution. Uh, in the verses 19 through to 20, he had a resolution here. What was his resolution? He said, I'll follow the thing that good is in the verse 20. Do you see that? I follow the thing that good is. So my enemies are lively. They're strong. They that hate me wrongfully are multiplied. They also that render evil for good are mine adversaries because I follow the thing that good is. He said, I want to follow the thing that is good. And do you not think that this is the very reason why there were so many opposing him because he was following the thing that good is and therefore they were hating him because he stood for what was right and that appears to contradict what he has said earlier because here he was coming in verse 4 my iniquities are gone over my head verse 3 there's no soundness in me you know he's talking about his sins he's being sorry for his sins and yet on the other hand he's saying I followed that which is good is there a contradiction there? I don't think there is. Those that seek to do right and follow that which is good are also conscious of their sin. If we are not conscious of our sin and of our feelings, there's something wrong. We are self-righteous. We know every day that we need to be forgiven by God. And yet at the same time, we want to follow the thing that is good. So David could look back and he was saying, Lord, I've endeavored to do what's right by you. And this is why these people have opposed me. This is why they hate me. This is why they want to put me down whenever I am in trouble. Because I have followed the thing that good is. And there's some great phrases in this psalm. I've already pointed out, I will be sorry for my sin. And I think that verse 20 is a great phrase. I follow the thing that good is. It shows us how David was so different 
from those that were set against him. Some have conjectured that David had opposed sins in the nation. Therefore, he encountered great enmity. And we can see that. We know that that's true in life. Whenever you identify the sin of society, speak against that sin, people will hate you. And sadly, when people are rebuked individually for their sin, they very often return with a sense of hatred, anger, because human nature doesn't like their sin to be exposed. That's the pride of the human heart. William Struther, he's quoted by Charles Haddon Spurgeon in the Treasury of David. He said, that anger that in remorse should burn against their own sin is set against their reprovers. Instead of being angry with their own sin, very often people will hate those that reprove their sin. And that's human nature at work. And David had experienced all of that. But he said in this verse 20, I'll follow the thing that good is. I'll do what's right before God. And that's a resolution that we need in our hearts for this year that lies ahead. And let's also think about his appeal here in, in closing. The verses 19 and the verses 20, 21, 22, he, he brings this appeal before God. Forsake me not, O Lord, O my God. Be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord of my salvation. So after bringing his complaint and making his vows to the Lord, he'll follow that which is good. After all his confession, he just summons up all of the passion of his heart and he says, Lord, don't forsake me. Don't be far away from me. Don't turn your face away from me. Come quickly. Help me. Oh, Lord of my salvation. It's a wholehearted appeal, isn't it? It's positive. Nothing more positive than placing your trust in the Lord. It's faith. It's triumphant faith. David knows that God will not forsake him. David knows that. God will not forsake him. C.H. Spurgeon has a little section in his commentary uh, on the Psalms called Notes for a Village Preacher. If, if you have or have seen his work um, it was initially published in seven volumes, The Treasury of David. It's divided into three sections. Every psalm you have his own commentary, his own remarks in the psalm and then you have all these quotes from all these people that he has read and virtually every verse right through the book of Psalms. And then he closes it off with some, I think it's hints for the village preacher. And he had a hint for the preacher how to deal with verses 21, 22. Faith tried, faith trembling, faith crying, faith grasping, faith conquering. And that's how we come to the Lord at all times. Our faith is tried by times. Our faith trembles. But our faith cries. And our faith grasps. And then our faith conquers. And we have seen something of David's trembling faith through this psalm. His crying faith. His faith certainly was tried. His faith was grasping. But his faith was triumphant at the last. When he said, make haste to help me. O Lord of my salvation. 
And if it were not for the troubles that David passed through, we would not have words like this to meditate on, to encourage our hearts. So God certainly makes no mistakes. May the Lord bless these thoughts to your heart and to your soul. I'm going to bring some prayer requests and then I'm going to ask someone just to lead us in prayer. Uh, and then I need to head off straight after because there's a church business meeting in Ockley tonight that I need to go to and that's going to be at nine o'clock and our brother Ian McClung's going to meet me there. So I, I, I need to go now. But just want to bring some prayer requests before I go. Uh, first of all, do you remember the, the Bible clubs as they have commenced this week? Tonight, Claremore, tomorrow night, the church. Then Youth Fellowship recommences Friday night. Just pray for all of that, please. Um, pray for the meetings in the Lord's Day. Pray for Sunday school. Pray that God will give a word from himself. And pray, please, for this week of prayer, that God will pour out his spirit upon us, that we will hear the voice of God during this week of prayer, how we need the Lord to move in our hearts. So do make that a special matter of prayer. Do you remember those that are sick and laid aside? A brother, Mr. Jim Gillespie, is in hospital. Do please pray for Jim. Um, if you could pray for Mrs. Boyd. She's home. She's doing really well. But just pray for her, please. Remember Sharon. The Lord would undertake for Sharon. There are a few people have had some surgery. Um, do you remember Raymond Coulter? He recovers from his surgery. Our brother Wills is recovering from uh, minor surgery. And as is... Um, Stephen Dalton, so, so all of those folks are laid aside and bring them please before the Lord and then there are others too and just bring all of these needs and bring them before the Lord uh, so let's get before the Lord and let's seek his face uh, together and uh, Brother Leslie would you please lead us in prayer and then one after another seek the Lord and our Brother Level will bring the meeting to a close <laughs>